I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The war is over, old friend. Everyone you ever loved has died by my hand. No matter what you do, the tower will fall. Death always wins. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. Today we are taking a look at The Dark Tower by director Nicolaj Arcel. But before we take a trip down Midworld, I am joined by some very special guests, Joey Hunt and Christian Gieppo. Christian, Joey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a great uh, journey we've been on, so... Context for listeners, we've been reading the Dark Tower series by Stephen King for the past year, and we just finished, and we just watched the movie adaptation today. And I do have to say, I have some very strong opinions about this movie. I don't know about you guys. Yes, most certainly strong opinions, <laughs> yes. So before we get into the movie and the nitty-gritty, let's talk about the series as a whole. Like, going into this book series, like... What did you guys think about it? Like, did you have any preconceived notions before starting the books? Joey, what what did you think? I'm going to start with you. I had no frame of reference for what the series was about other than that it was written by Stephen King. But my experience with Stephen King, even to that point, was still pretty limited prior to uh, dipping into the Dark Tower series as a whole and then offshoots therein as well. Okay. Um so I really didn't know what to expect other than that it was kind of like a fantasy western with some sci-fi elements. Mm. And I'd say it definitely delivered on that. Mm. I agree. 
And Christian, did you have any preconceived notions about the Dark Tower before starting the seven book series that we embarked upon? No preconceived uh, notions. I did try reading the books um, a few years before over a summer. I, really? Yeah. So I just read the um, the Gunslinger, the first book, and couldn't get into it then. But now on our second attempt, um, it was certainly um, a much better. I was kind of more prepared for it. Uh, I haven't read much Stephen King prior to reading this series, but uh, I was aware of his... Uh, genre he typically writes for right so with the dark tower what's interesting about these books is that it encompasses his entire literary body of work and so while we were going through it it's very interesting that you mentioned that you haven't really read his work before when we were like i think it was like halfway through you were like i want to read salem's lot and that really surprised me because i was like okay because it does relate to the tower, because a main character in the book series is a pivotal character in that book, which was, I believe, his second book that he ever wrote. So, like, what drew you in towards Stephen King, would you say? Yes, his writing style, and um, like he really fleshes out the characters, providing backstories not only to main characters, but to secondary and tertiary characters, right. as well as... He does a very good job in world building. He really does yeah. flesh out the whole world and indeed the universe throughout each of his novels. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like, I don't know any other book series other than Lord of the Rings or maybe even A Song of Ice and Fire where it's like super detailed. It's like you're walking within a very expansive universe. And you don't really get that with a lot of modern books. Like with modern books, I think you were telling me, Joey, that it's very surface level. Yeah, I'd say it's mostly focused on page turners at this point in novelization of anything. And that's probably a byproduct of increased popularity of teen novels going also mainstream is what I would say. So things like Hunger Games that are written for children or high schoolers, mm -hmm. but widely accepted by adults and people our age range and into their 30s as well. Um, that's kind of opened the door for just a desire and acceptance of lower quality of work when it comes to writing in general. Mm, like Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I'd say that that kind of bridges between probably cheap romance novels and and those teen novels as well. Yeah. Um, so that's probably a, you know just capitalizing on both of those markets simultaneously. Yeah, it's like hmm, Twilight's been doing well. Let's make it a little bit more adult. Precisely. <laughs> Did you read the Twilight books? Thankfully, no. Good. They're not very... Well, I mean, they're not the worst. I haven't read them or seen the movies, but I did hear that the books were actually somehow worse than the movies. Really? Because the writing was just that poor quality. Well, what's interesting with... Uh, side tangent with Twilight. What's interesting about the books is like Bella Swan, the main character, she's like this blank slate that the reader can insert themselves into and then edward the vampire is like portrayed as like superman like he can do no wrong he's like benevolent yeah this idealized boyfriend character so like the person reading the book is like oh he can be my ideal boyfriend he is my ideal boyfriend so it's almost like reading a video game in a sense that's just very mm -hmm. linear experience 
Yeah, so Bella Swan is like the master chief of books, essentially. Yeah, I would say Dark Tower is definitely not like that style of writing at all. No, not at all. So, Joey, before we go any further, can you, I guess, summarize the book series on like what like what's the Dark Tower all about for those that don't know? I I describe it as a post-apocalyptic fantasy western that follows the journey of Roland the gunslinger as he is on his mission to get to the dark tower um that's kind of the really brief nutshell um and so then it details his journey from where we first find him which is probably more than already halfway to three quarters of the way on that journey, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where he goes from there, who he involves to assist him on that quest. And right. it really is a quest for him as well. And mm-hmm. uh, we see character development and growth, additional characters that kind of join his group and later leave his group for various different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of different rich backstories that collide with his story and then have begun before his story and continue even after his story as well. Right. It's kind of like this, in a sense, Arthurian tale with like a science fiction rapper, with a Western rapper, and a fantasy rapper all coalescing, and that makes a Dark Tower book. <laughs> It's definitely better myself. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of everything for sure. Yeah, it's like a it's like a nice, well balanced stew. You got like all your little vegetables in there. You got the the potatoes, and you got your meats. And I'd say with seven books, there's definitely the opportunity for Stephen King to do that with different tones for each book mm. that are still installments and continuations of one story as well. Yeah, like each book has like its own identity, which is nice. Because, like, say I'm going to take a pot shot at Harry Potter. They all have, like, a distinct story to them. Going from book to book, Philosopher's Stone, The Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban. But they're all kind of the same, in a sense. It's a procedural for Harry Potter, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's a mystery. Like, each one has a mystery, and, like, Harry Potter solves it. And, and the villain's always stopped by those meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, he would have gotten away with it, too. Voldemort. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you pesky uh, wizards and muggles. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I mean, with Stephen King, like, he even, like, made fun of his audience in a bit because, like, people are like, oh, people tend to like one type of story. They don't like when you blend the genres together. So, yeah, I think the book series is definitely good and stands on its own and like provides variety which like invites like a whole bunch of people into like the story it's not like oh you like westerns well i don't like westerns well that's good because it's also science fiction i don't like science fiction well good because it's like king arthur oh cool it's like you know it's like it's like something for everybody almost Mm -hmm. yeah he certainly writes for a, a universal audience you know he doesn't 
specify just horror fans or Western fans or fantasy fans. He really tries to appeal to everyone. Yeah. Like that's a, it's a good hallmark for his writing, like how versatile he could be. Though I'd also say this series is much less horror or thriller of a franchise or uh, rather genre Mm -hmm. than most of his other works are. So it does kind of, I think, flex his own writing and works outside of what he usually Mm -hmm. provides or puts together and is kind of known for as a result. Right. Because like growing up, I had a friend who really liked Stephen King. Like he like he read it. He told me all about the story of like it, the Tommyknockers and the Shining. And I never picked up the books. I, I didn't really watch like the TV adaptations of his books. But I knew that like he was a horror guy. And like that's like what he cut his teeth on was like scaring people. And when I heard about the Dark Tower books, what drew me towards it was like it wasn't horror. It was something entirely different. And it's like a guy that's known for being the horror master creates like this epic fantasy genre type book. It's like, oh, it's it's just intriguing. And then that was the first thing I read by him. And I was like thoroughly impressed with it. It was amazing. So today, you know, we, we've been expounding upon how much we love these book series and the books are amazing. So we watched the T, or not the TV, we watched the movie adaptation. And what did you guys think of that? Christian, I'll start with you. Well, it, it certainly was a film. Don't it, hold back. Now, yeah, well, <laughs> we've been discussing the books. So thankfully, yeah. all of you who have not read the books will certainly not miss anything in the movie because it's <laughs> the movie is nothing at all like the books. And you'll be thoroughly confused and probably angered at the end because you are confused. (laughs) For those of you who have read the books, you'll be confused because it doesn't follow any of the storylines. And then at the end, you will also be angered because it doesn't follow anything (laughs) or explain anything. Uh, As the books do. Yes, absolutely. So that was my first impression, Armand. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're not alone because like... So I saw it a long time ago, and this was like in between reading the books that we were going through. So I I watched it, and I was – back then I was like, this has nothing to do with what we're reading. So I left it alone. And then we returned to it today after reading all seven books, you know, little supplements here and there, Salem's Lot, The Stand, and this rich story that we read – with all these fleshed out characters, these awesome, almost lifelike people. And then we watched the movie and it's like, I don't know whose bright idea this was, but it's like, it's the equivalent of distilling all of the Harry Potter novels in one 90 minute film. Touch upon all the elements of all the books within 90 minutes. Do you think that's going to be a good thing? Well, this movie showed it wasn't. (laughs) I mean... More than 80%, I would say probably closer to 90% of the characters mentioned throughout the book series do not make an appearance in the film. Right. Yeah, Joey, what did you think? Well, I think adaptation is a very generous term. (laughs) 
And it doesn't even say adapted from the book for film or anything like that. It says based on the book, which I think is more accurate. And so to me, it kind of felt like some of the modern day Star Wars shows that we have, like Mandalorian, Mm. where you have a bunch of Easter eggs for fans that Mm -hmm. hail back to the original movies, the prequels, even the books and video games. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it felt kind of like Christian was saying there was a lot of references to the books. Yeah. But it was almost entirely its own story with some of the characters as well, but still only very loosely in the same direction as the original story. Um, I'd say there's more references than there are actual events that they pulled from from the source material, unlike other franchises like Walking Dead, where they'll go off on kind of side adventures uh throughout the timeline of the comics, but then they always return to some of the major events in the show as well as the comics. Right. And like this entire movie felt like it's like, oh, there's a dark tower. There's a gunslinger. There's a man in black. Let's make a story out of that. And it should be noted that made in 2017 is already within Hollywood culture to split films into two parts or even three parts in the case of The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. And this is seven books, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. they crammed into one, one and a half hour movie, which I think just points to they were not expecting to have a successful project, but they had already invested money. So they had to put out a project. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like it was a cash grab is what you're saying. Yeah. And I think we were looking up some of the information about who was helming the project during different years and it kind of started all the way back in 2007 yeah it was like 2007 under jj abrams but then switched over in 2010 thereabouts to ron howard and then five years later in 2015 switches over to um nicolas jarcel who's the director but then retaining ron howard as producer yeah probably ron howard was like i am involved you're not going to get rid of me. He is like the vampire that won't leave this project alone. So when you get to that point, it's almost like the Spider-Man franchise where they have to make a movie every so many years or else they lose the rights. Mm-hmm. And so they were probably in danger of losing the rights and need to get some money back for whatever they paid for the rights to begin with before they either sold the rights or yeah. just lost them entirely. Yeah, I mean, they didn't even hire Andrew Garfield or Jamie Foxx. But they got Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. And I, I will say, before we you know, get too far ahead of ourselves, they are the best part of this movie. Like, I watched it, and uh, even though in the books, which we'll get into later, like, Roland is a white man that kind of looks like a cross between Stephen King and Clint Eastwood, and this movie is a black man played by Idris Elba, the most badass black man from the other side of the pond. And then we have Matthew McConaughey, who is Matthew McConaughey, and like he just oozes evil in this movie. Like he he truly captures like the antagonist of these books, uh, the Man in Black. So like other than them, I thought this movie was a steaming pile of shit. Like hundred percent. I do like them, though, the actors. I thought they did a good job. I thought they did a good job as well as as they usually tend to 
in projects that they're involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought some of the demonstrations of Roland's gunslinging abilities were actually a pretty good component of mm. the movie. And so mm-hmm. I, I would put that in the redeemable aspects. Um, but I'd say, yeah, it basically ends after that. And them taking a, a hard right turn to focus the story entirely on Jake and mm-hmm. not even introduce Roland until you're 20, 25 minutes through a 90-minute movie. Right. And it doesn't, doesn't even feel like he's a main character. Like, he's just introduced, like... Like, you blink and you miss his name. Like, it was just like, Roland. And it's like, huh? Like, in the theater, it's like, what did he say? I don't know what he just said. Like. Yeah, and his character good. has no motivation. Like. No. Like, they within the books, it's mm-hmm. explained that this is his quest for years and indeed centuries to get to the Dark Tower. Yep. But within the movie, he's just following the man in black for no apparent reason because just because because we need a movie exactly <laughs> yeah and the dark tower itself is hardly introduced and hardly even explained it's barely explained it's yeah. like an exposition dump it's like there is a tower there is a tower people are attacking the tower exactly and speaking of the tower you guys know what time it is it's time for some elevator pitches Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie to a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So here today, we're going to simulate that by putting 60 seconds on the clock. And since I have two guests, I'm going to split the time between 30 seconds each. Joey, I'm going to have you start. You're going to start. You're going to pitch me the movie of The Dark Tower. The movie, The Dark Tower. You're going to explain the whole plot within... 60 seconds, and then after 30 seconds, I'm going to pass it along to you, Christian. Are you guys ready? I don't know. That's that's a that's a tough ask, even though that's only, you know, 190th of the entire, <laughs> I mean, the entire you're, film. You're my friend. I wouldn't recommend the film to you. So that's my pitch. Don't. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm going to have Christian's a... five-second version. Do you like the Dark Tower series? Yes. Don't watch the movie. Exactly. All right, guys. Do you not like the Dark Tower series? No. Don't watch the movie. <laughs> uh, okay. One minute is on the clock. We're going to start in three, two, one, go. All right. The Dark Tower is a structure that binds all universes together and is controlled by unknown entities and basically protects time and space and existence itself. Uh, there is the ability to bring it down or thought the ability to bring it down with just the mind of a child. And the man in black is searching for children to wage his war against the Dark Tower. Yes. Christian, go. And in the movie, after the exposition pivots to Jake Chambers, who is an 11-year-old child in New York, yes. who has been having dreams over the past year about Roland the Gunslinger, this man called... Walter O'Dim, the man in black, as well as the Dark Tower, and attacks on the Dark Tower. He is then meets resistance from his parents and tries to... Well, my time's going down. <laughs> I'm just going to say, well, he, the people from who are trying to bring down the Dark Tower meet up with Jake Chambers in New York in the movie. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, devolves from there. Well, there you go. With no seconds to spare. No seconds to spare. (laughs) 
It's okay. This is just basically like a presidential debate, right? We yes. can go however long we want on either side. Just talk over each other. Rebuttals are 10 minutes. Don't listen to the moderator. Never listen to the moderator. Christian, how are you doing over there? Half Ignore our mind. Uh, I, I exist, guys. So... <laughs> Only because of the Dark Tower, Armand. That's true. So, yeah, you guys explained it. So we have this Dark Tower that's uh, it's like this pylon that connects all of time and space. And all of reality hangs on it. It's kind of like a linchpin of all of reality. And we have Walter O'Dim who's trying to knock it down and destroy reality. And it's up to... Roland, who is not the protagonist of this movie for I think it's up to no Jake reason. is how the movie actually paints it. You know, that's so weird. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So in the books, like you like you said, like since he was a teenager, he got a vision. The Dark Tower. What does that mean? He does not know, but he knows it's his quest to go to the ends of the world, of the known world, to find it. And there he'll find the revelation of, like, what's going on. And since then, there's a phrase in the books called the world has moved on, which means all of reality is, like, changing and time is being weird and just the world is, like, destroying itself. And, like, through all that, Roland is aging rapidly and he's still trying to get to the tower because for some reason the tower is in trouble and it's, like, messing up, of, it's messing up reality. Well, Roland's actually not even really aging at all. He's, like, mm. barely aging more than rapidly. That is true. Would you like to unpack that? Well, I think another component, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier as well, is Roland's going after the Dark Tower, and at this point when we find him in the books, it's almost more or as much because he has nothing else left at this point in his life. Mm. Everything else he has had has been taken from him by the man in black. And so his mm. his quest is twofold. Uh, it's still primarily to get the, to the Dark Tower. Right. But he now knows that the man in black, who's responsible for taking away almost everything else in his life, mm. um, also has information about how to get to the Dark Tower. And so he is chasing after the Dark Tower by way of tracking down the man in black, in a sense. Mm. And... Then, like you were saying, with the world has moved on, everything's kind of breaking down. And later on in the books, we learn that's because while the tower may not be under attack, it is deteriorating just with time itself. Right. And with that, some of the tethers that are holding everything together for the different universes are starting to crumble, break down, and, and other alternate universes even just ceasing to exist altogether. Mm-hmm. And so that is having an impact then on how Roland ages, how old he is, and how long he's been alive, right. and just everyone's perception of time itself as well. Yeah. Christian, would you like to explain what these tethers are? Yes, they're the, the beams that hold all the um, known universes together and connect them to the, uh, the Dark Tower. Yes. Yeah, what's interesting about, because I mentioned it earlier with like, you're taking a small step in a larger world, to paraphrase Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, like with these tethers, these beams that hold the Dark Tower, there's these guardians that guard the beams. And one of them is like a bear and a turtle, maybe an eagle too. And like by the time we meet up with Roland in the books, there's only like two beams left 
and that's the bear and the turtle. And the whole story that we follow with him in the books is like it's following the path of the beam. And that's specifically the bear. His name is Shardik. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is none of that's mentioned in the movie. I was just going to say. Well, yeah, <laughs> The most interesting exactly. thing about that is the movie doesn't care. <laughs> well, and the movie also makes several callbacks to entities that the movie doesn't explain such as within the book series there's a, a rose that really contains all the known universe yeah in the only mention of that in the film is at the very end there is a graffiti of a rose in in like a new york slum on a, <laughs> in a right. garage door or within the book series there's also this uh, entity named the crimson king who's rather the leader of those trying to tear down the dark tower and within the movie the only reference to the crimson king are just graffiti uh, markings throughout uh, new york saying all hail the crimson king with no rather uh, like rhyme or reason <laughs> right explaining who who this is why people are following him i mean the Movie sets up um, the man in black as the big bad, right. like the main villain. There's no tie-in to the Crimson King. And in the mm-hmm. book series, the man in black serves the Crimson King. Right. Like it's – it feels like with like those callbacks to like the Crimson King and like showing his uh, sigil upon the walls throughout the movie is like they're trying to – I felt like this was like a, a prototype of like a cinematic universe they're trying to start. They were contractually obligated to have those so they could put based on the story by Stephen King at the beginning. <laughs> you take those no out and they can't really say it's based on the story anymore. I mean, right. It's almost those are their thing. beams that connect them to the actual Dark Tower <laughs> book series. Yeah. So, Joey, let me ask you something. Have you seen The Shining? Yeah. Have you read the book The Shining? No. The books by Stephen King and then the movie by Stanley Kubrick, they're almost they're two very different entities. Okay. Similar story though. Uh with Jack Torrance and like going to the Overlook Hotel. And with Kubrick, he took the story and like made it it he took the story and he made it its own thing. And then he elevated the story. With this, with the Dark Tower, it's like Stephen King wrote this great book series and then Ron Howard and company was like, let's do our own thing to the detriment of the story. Like he didn't elevate it. He didn't like do something new. The only new thing was like he made Roland a uh, black worse. guy. Worse. He made everything worse. I mean, Roland has no inner conflict. No, which is no motivation. Expanded on in the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the books. Yeah. He made. Right. Yeah. There's. He made everything worse. Christian, you're you're forgetting about the uh, the twenty seconds of of backstory for Roland Total, where we oh, see yes. him having a conversation with his father. Is what we assume. Stephen Deshane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it never really explicitly confirms that, but it's, or gives context to it. There, it just... seems like he might have died or something, and they were like on this quest together. But it's it's pretty ambiguous. Yeah, I mean, okay. So in the books, in book four. Wizard and Glass, they talk about the Battle at Jericho Hill. There is a battle between his original group called Katets, which is they're all bounded by uh, their version of God, Ka. 
and or just fate. Right. That's a good way to put it. And with they all died during this battle at Jericho Hill and the only survivor was Roland. And so he had to live with the guilt, survivor's guilt that he was the only survivor and yet his quest continues uh, into his adulthood. And with the movie, I think it's implied that they, whatever battle happened, that was the Battle of Jericho Hill from the books. It's never explained. We don't really see the battle. We just see like an aftermath where like the man in black is there and he's like confronting a dying soldier on the ground. And then Stephen, DeShane, and Roland are there for some reason. And Roland is an adult. Adult Idris Alba. I don't know if he was trying to look younger or they're just moving the pieces around in the store. Okay, you're shaking your head. It didn't seem like he... I mean, they either didn't care about trying to make it look like he was that much younger and it <laughs> happened a long time ago or just at that point, you know, they had already decided, hey, our budget is what our budget is. We're not, you know... People understand that, like, this is in the past because it's not happening right now. And it has a filter overlaid. Yeah. It's like a dream. And he's, and he's dreaming. You can see him, you know, Idris Elba's character sleeping. Right. It was, it was like a nightmare sequence. Like the movie. The whole movie was a nightmare <laughs> sequence. I mean, Idris Elba is a very good actor. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they did this to him. Give him a terrible script, terrible plots. You, you know... He was probably okay. I'm gonna think of it in his point of view. Okay, we have this movie that's based upon Stephen King's books. Okay, Stephen King's a big name. All right, these books are pretty good. You know, I can. This is like a good career move for me. And he reads the script and it's like, okay, this is promising. And then he arrives on set and he's like, uh. sometimes a paycheck is just a paycheck too. That's true. Like, sometimes look at all the Nick Cage films. Yeah, well, that's that's for other reasons because of his like how much he has his to pay in yeah. <laughs> alimony into his ex-wives or something like that, I believe. And um, he he was a collector of like Golden Age comics and all of them got stolen. So had to rebuild that collection, it, not even rebuild it. It was like he didn't have it all paid off. Damn. So whoever stole those comics I'm probably selling them for even more because they were once owned by Nicolas Cage. So he's doing all these. I feel like that would make them easier to track down. Maybe. Like if they're being marketed as once owned by Nick Cage, it'd be hard for anyone to not know then that they were. Or I'm surprised he wouldn't have had them insured. You know, the insurance policy was written in invisible ink on the back of the Declaration <laughs> of Independence. It was part of the right. Ghostwriter uh, Ghost franchise. Yeah, Part but three. but yeah, some sometimes actors just do mm-hmm. a smaller movie to make a good paycheck. Yeah, they and money. move on. Uh, like Sean Connery with the Highlander, where he plays like a Spanish guy, but he still has a Scottish accent. He's like, "Yes, I'm from Spain." But anyways, getting back to the Dark Tower. So, you know, he he gave it his all, but I think I think it was for money. I think that let's be honest here. Like, he put in a lot of effort, but like, I think Joey, you said it right after we watched the movie. It's like, this feels like a B movie with a list actors with some, a couple a list actors. Yeah. Two <laughs> actually Which, kind of three. 
so I think they did good jobs, but I can think of other people that I would rather see cast in those roles. Like we were, we, Christian and I were talking about it, and mm-hmm. like personally, I think Daniel Craig would be a great pick for Roland. He's writing that age range of you know slightly ambiguous. Is he twenty eight or is he fifty five? Mm. You know, has some experience. Mm-hmm. He can do kind of the grim resolve that I think is necessary for the Roland character, which yeah. Idris Elba does pretty well. Mm-hmm. You just don't understand why that is a part of his character at all. And right. then I think Matthew McConaughey could be his. He could have been more sinister, mm-hmm. like he did the kind of like oily snake oil you know kind of uh like sleazy salesman yeah um so joey you watch the stand uh the new 2021 on paramount plus so that also has the same main antagonist from the dark tower randall flag yes different name same guy that was played by alexander skarsgård do you think he was a better representation for that character than Matthew McConaughey, or would you even want someone else to take up that role? I think he was a equally good representation, but I think they leaned into kind of a different side of that character's personality. Mm-hmm. And so in Dark Tower, Matthew McConaughey's version is kind of the, we'll stop at nothing to get what he wants. And Randall Flagg is more of the, people will love me, and that's also where his power comes from is kind of a component in that that series. And so it's important to him that people love him and fear him because if they stop fearing him and loving him, then he starts to lose his power. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of manifested in he can basically fly or levitate at least. Mm-hmm. And he's super attractive, but he loses that and becomes who he actually really is, which is like a a burned out kind of craggy like molten lava kind of husk like anakin skywalker from episode three kind of yeah that's so interesting with his character which i wish this movie explored because like it's almost like a vampire where it's like he can glamour you into believing this uh, fantasy that you want to see but like the actual person underneath the skin is like this disgusting uh, repulsive creature. yeah yeah a monster but I can see somebody like I, I think it would work better if it was somebody even a little bit older. Like I'd love to see like George Clooney as Walter or like Jeremy Irons. Oh, Jeremy Irons would be good. Yeah, somebody I don't know about George Clooney. Well, I, George Clooney plays George Clooney in every movie like Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Imagine Vince Vaughn as uh, the man in black. Hey, I'm looking for the Dark Tower. I'm the man in black. Then Owen Wilson would have to be Roland. Wow. You can't just take kids like that. Wow. That's not right. That's not right. Wow. Wow. Time to crash this party. That would be amazing. But yeah, I think I think it would be int- more interesting to see someone who is like not in their prime, but has all this power to just compel people to do things and is viewed as attractive and um, which is kind of a you know, ongoing and integral part of Walter's character in both of the books and the movie to some degree, but Pierce more Brosnan. so in the... Oh, yeah, Pierce Brosnan. I just don't think Pierce Brosnan is good enough of an actor to do it. What does he have? Oh, my God. Some pretty insane plotted James Bond movies and Mamma Mia. You got to watch False Positive. 
he plays the antagonist in False Positive. It just came out. It's on Hulu. Okay. Here's my elevator pitch for that movie. So he plays a doctor, and like this lady is trying to get like uh, like a fertility type thing, and like let's just say his character is a little bit sinister. If you catch my drift, if that intrigues you, I don't want to give it away. But anyways, he could play a villain. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. Like he has that ability. You just have to give him a shot. You need the right director. Like uh, Quentin Tarantino, who takes like these washed up actors and it's like, okay, give me your best. And then they do. So like after this movie flopped, we talked about it a little bit off air, which uh, they tried making an Amazon TV show. And I think that would be the correct medium for this story. Even even a freaking movie series like Harry Potter. Like, we watched a 90-minute version of all seven books, which totals... The books were not short, no. either, for, for the audience. Those who, who don't know, the books are each around, like, between six and 800 pages long. Yeah. The first one would have fit in Oh, the first one, yeah, the first mm-hmm. one was pretty short, like 250 or so, but after that, you get bigger. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it's just the audacity to, like, boil it down in 90 minutes. It's, like, clearly... I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know if you guys know this, but Stephen King was like... What the hell did you do to my book series? I didn't see his name anywhere in any of the credits or... He was not involved. ...apart from based on the novel The Dark Tower by Stephen King. Right. Legally, you have to say it's based on his books. But, like, he wasn't involved. He gave it it his blessing. He was like, okay, yeah, you can make a movie out of my most beloved books I've ever written in my whole life. And then... Years after the fact, he said, yeah, those that movie was a mistake. That shouldn't have happened. And it's like, where were you when they're filming? I would have stormed on stage and be like, excuse me. Like, go full Karen. Like, <laughs> you're messing up my movie. That would be incredible. Make a big publicity stunt of it. It was definitely the type of version of the movie that I would expect to see after like the author has passed away and then they uh, kind of yeah. have someone like for example you know lord of the rings super true to the book and then the hobbit you can tell like they're starting to take liberties with the franchise and then we have a show coming up that's hopefully either more true to whatever source material it's basing on or the source material is just more loose or not as clearly defined that it kind of pans out but this this movie for the dark tower definitely seemed or felt kind of like like you were saying, like they had no oversight from Stephen King, the author, or like the family or descendants like you normally would for right. such film projects. I felt like it was on purpose. Like it was it was such a slap in the face. It's like, oh, you like the Dark Tower? <laughs> like someone just spat in your face and like shook you down. It's like, well, what just happened? Like, Same if you have never heard of the Dark Tower. Spitting in your face. You thought you were going to see a quality film? <laughs> yeah, even if you just went to the theater signing up to see Matthew McConaughey or Idris Elba, mm-hmm. you'd still be kind of disappointed or at least confused about what the plot was. For a 90-minute movie, it felt double its length because it was so bad. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, 
Is it done yet? Oh, they're doing that. This is awful. Why would they do this? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's like the kingdom of the crystal skull. Why or they... the whole uh, sequel series to Star Wars. Yeah, it's like, why are you doing this? All our beloved characters ruined. Joey's mad. No, I'm not mad. Seething with rage. You're seething with rage. No, I didn't. I I was just <laughs> thinking more. Like, I, I I definitely agree. Okay, so one, I think modern day how people prefer media is the ability to watch a show and to binge multiple episodes, mm. and people will binge eight hour long episodes more than they will sign up to go to one movie every December for the next eight years. Mm. Um, or even just the next four years. And so that's where you have franchises like Chronicles of Narnia, which has never been able to actually get beyond, you know, three, four books. Right. Before it's just panned because their audience has already got gotten past, like, being majorly interested. And so right. I'm imagining, you know they realized at some point, the writers and producers, that they weren't, based on just how long it took for them to move from when they got the rights to when they actually put out anything, they already knew they weren't going to be putting out a second movie, which then puts a lot more pressure to, they could just start and do, like, part of the story. I think that probably would have been the move to make, just call it The Gunslinger and make the first book in its entirety. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, because that one is so much more of just a kind of like a Western with some post-apocalyptic like mm -hmm. themes, uh, you're going to alienate a lot of your audience. Or then if you do get around to making a second movie, that second movie is going to be very different as the second book in the series is. And so you're going to have an audience that's confused why they saw a post-apocalyptic Western and now they're seeing a crime movie in new york city right for book two right yeah well they could yeah, they could have um because the gunslinger was written originally in the 70s as a standalone book so they could mm -hmm. have made that into a film and then segue it right into a series for books two through seven but right that is not what happened yeah but the, i mean yeah that definitely would have been the way to go mm -hmm. and so it is still surprising that somebody hasn't gotten around to just doing like a pilot episode that would be the first, you know, couple chapters of the black man fled across the desert and Roland followed. The man in black. Yeah. 
<laughs> the black man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the man in black, yeah. That's, that would be an entirely different movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually brings up an interesting point of the difference between the movie and the book and how Idris Elba being cast as Roland mm-hmm. wouldn't really work for a lot of the content later on in the book where we have other characters that are part mm-hmm. of his group that join his group mm-hmm. that are very prejudiced against white people specifically. Mm-hmm. And so uh, – and especially then Roland as a result. And so that would be really difficult or kind of odd to try to overcome in the opposite direction. Would you like to unpack that a little bit more about – this group that he travels with in the books. Yeah. So like you said, they call it their cotet. Mm-hmm. And it's these people that are kind of bound by fate. And so they've all joined together and they recognize Roland as their leader or almost the father figure of their group. Um, and then with being cotet, they kind of have almost not like quite telepathic abilities, but at least almost like twin like abilities where they can kind of sense or already are aware of what the other members of their cotet are kind of thinking and feeling and expecting. And yeah. so it's just – it's kind of like a agreement that they've all made to remain loyal to each other that then has allowed them this this closeness and unity um, uh, while they're on their quest. Yeah, and – let me explain a little bit more about the actual individuals um, in this group. So other than their abilities, um, what's interesting about this group is, so we have three different people from three different time periods of America. Uh, the movie that we watch centers primarily on Jake Chambers. He's from the 70s, I think like 77 or 79. And... The movie's set in modern day 2017, though. Yes, which I think is a massive mistake, which I'll get into. Um, so we have Jake Chambers from the 70s. These two people are not in the movie, but in the books. Eddie Dean from the 80s, late 80s, almost 90s. And then we have Susanna, who's from the 60s, who's a black woman, wheelchair bound. So we have a junkie from the 80s who's addicted to heroin. And then we have uh, Susanna Dean, um, who is racist towards white people, kind of for good reasons, because it's the 60s and you have segregated America. And then you have um, Jake Chambers from the 70s, who's a kid. And they all, from completely different backgrounds, come together for this one cause of helping Roland to find the Dark Tower. And... It's such a great mixing of, like, different people because, like, they set aside their differences and then they realize that they are one. They are quartets. And there are, like, many that make one whole. And the book beautifully illustrates that. And in the movie, none of that's in there. To the point where it's like, why even have Jake in this movie? Why why cherry-pick all the things from all seven books to make one story? I mean, Jake was in the Gunslinger, so he was kind of like a character right. from the beginning. I guess that was their reasoning behind including him. I mean, the other characters don't show up until book two. Right. It's so dumb. But even if they had made the movie two and a half hours in length, they still wouldn't have been able to fit 
just that bonding that happens between the characters within that time frame. Even if they tweaked the story slightly to kind of include those characters on the quest that the movie had, in a sense, um, and just uh, make adjustments to account for them being there, it'd still be really difficult for them to also then show or develop any of that character development. Because the, the only thing we really have in the movie between Roland and Jake is kind of, you get the sense Roland lost his father tragically somehow. Right. And so him kind of helping and looking after Jake, who has also lost his father, which is unlike the book entirely, that kind of, you know, forms this connection between the two of them that, uh, that they is, is really the, basically the only thing they're building off of for, for the movie. Like, clearly they should have just did the gunslinger. It's a self-contained story and it even has a, a good ending for a movie. It's like, oh, it's a little bit open-ended, but it's like, it's a firm ending mm-hmm. to the, whatever the story is. And then if you wanted more, then make a TV show out of it. That That could work. Like Christian said, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility to do that, but... They just chose the worst possible way to adapt this book. The worst possible way. And the laziest way. Because, like, the books are set in before 9-11, for sure. Because they even mention later in the books, like, 9-11, like, kind of... They allude to it. They mm-hmm. don't really mention it so much. They say, oh, what's this? Right. We'll put this object in the safe under the Twin Towers. Those This will last forever. Right. And by setting it in 2017, it just takes away from the story. Because, like... But it also reduces the budgets Terry needs for the film. Because they can just use anything and everything that's current. Right. And hence why it's lazy. Because it's like, oh, this movie is set in, like, you know, at most the 90s. Well, let's uh, remove these two characters so we don't have to have them in so that we can have Jake be not from the 70s, but in 2017. And it's like you just altered the entire plot. It also changed uh, Jake's backstory, too. Right. Like, substantially. Like within the yeah. book series, he's kind of like this neglected son of an investment banker mm-hmm. and his wife. And in the movie... His father was a firefighter who was killed in a gas explosion. Right. And the mother is kind of shacked up. Is that how he, he his father died? Yeah. There's like a very brief, like two second clip of some like newspaper, like in a oh, dream. Okay. I missed it. It shows like, oh, there was a gas explosion that killed his dad. Yeah. And in the movie, like, as I said, like the dad is dead. The mom either remarried or is living with a boyfriend. And the boyfriend just dislikes Jake. Yeah. Immensely, immensely, Jake. yeah. Which, yeah, in the book, the dad doesn't like. Well, it doesn't really doesn't like Jake. It he just, just neglects, yeah, neglects him because he's there's better things to do as an investment banker, right? And so it's like the filmmakers were like, let's conflate that by having Jake still have that kind of shitty dad but like let's make him the stepdad and let's give jake a little bit of heart by having his real dad uh die 
tragically, just a little, you know, to pull on the heartstrings a little bit. And it's like, it didn't work because like, as someone who read the books, it's like, that's not the story and you're messing up Jake Chambers character. And then as someone who never read the books is like, it's an obvious, it's a shallow attempt for character development. Cause it's like, you just chose the easy way out by just having that be uh, exposition like, oh, his dad died. And he's a firefighter. Get it? New York, 9-11. Feel bad. And instead of like, you know, making it like a longer movie and like maybe, you know, rearrange the deck chairs a little bit and like say he had like a nice dad and then he died. And it's like, oh, and, you know, like you can make it work. But like, like I said, which is like the reoccurring theme with this movie whatever alterations they made was the wrong one and they did it in the worst possible way because it makes zero sense well and then they cast jake's mom with scarlett johansson for some reason that wasn't scarlett johansson no it wasn't who was it well that wasn't her i'm gonna look at no it was like a budget natalie dorner that was not scarlett no if it it was scarlett johansson yeah scarlett johansson was not in this film (laughs) What are you saying? All white it's women not besmirching. Look the same? Oh, oh, it's, she even had blonde Catherine hair. Catherine Winnick, who's in Vikings. She plays the She's... lead female actress in Vikings. Still an odd casting choice. You're right because it's just a very small role. People need money. Yeah, she's a working actress. She needs money. Yeah, I just Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson has red hair. Yeah, let's talk about Roland for a little bit because we we danced upon it. Uh, earlier so they cast Idris Elba and someone who hasn't read the book it's like why does him being a white man make a difference like why is that important are you racist why does he have to be white why can't he be black Christian well there's the conflict between him and Susanna right in the um, the book series, that kind of makes it rather important that he be non-black. Yeah, it kind of it. I mean, he I, could be Hispanic. It could be cast Hispanic, and it would work, right, to an extent. But. Yeah, it's like, well, they removed her character entirely. Oh yeah, so it doesn't matter in the film. Yeah, yeah, it can make him. It worked fine for anything. the film. But for the fi- film, it, it was fine. But if you wanted to do more faithful adaptation to the series and actually like include the 90% of characters that were cut out you would prefer him to be um, a Caucasian actor right and you know what's interesting because I did a little bit of research they were planning to do a sequel to this movie how could there be a sequel like the way it the way it wraps up it, it wraps the movie wraps nicely with no real loose ends other than just mass confusion on the part of the audience as to what just happened what did i see (laughs) the past 97 minutes but aside from that well they had a plan for a sequel if it were to do well commercially which it didn't it flopped hardcore um they were going to introduce eddie dean and Susanna to the story and like you just said um, in the books that there's a central conflict between Susanna where she is not only racist towards white people, she is afraid of white people. Like there's this like visceral reaction she has to 
honky muffas, as she puts it in the book. And she has to overcome that hatred to not only trust Roland, but also to fall in love with Eddie Dean, a white man from uh, Co-op City, New York. And if you were to introduce those two characters with Idris Elba's version of Roland, uh, do you just remove that plot point entirely? Do you have Susanna be a white woman that's afraid of black people? And that doesn't really work uh, for her character. I feel like they'd have to pivot strongly with her character to just hate like military types almost in a sense. And that with based on some of the changes they made in the Dark Tower movie, I would see that as kind of the way they go. And so she like really especially hates Roland because he's a gunslinger and he knows how to shoot a gun and she is like completely anti like that would be the direction they'd have to lean. But why would she fall in love with Eddie Dean? Like the satisfying part of like her and Eddie Dean's story is like they were the last people you would expect to fall in love. And then they do. And it's very satisfying because it's like, wow, they overcame such struggles. And now like they're like attached to the hip, like they're married and have this beautiful relationship so you just wipe that away. It's like either way, something's going to get messed up in translation by having Idris Elba. Your big mistake in your question is assuming that everything will make sense if they did actually make a sequel to this movie. Or if they would want it to make sense. Just another cash grab. Okay. These all the people we didn't touch on in that first film. Let's cobble together a second film with a Throw them in the pot, plots. mix it up, and add some heat. So let's talk about what this second film could have been. So uh, Drawing of the Three, this Tark Tower book two, um, centers around Eddie Dean, who is caught up with the mob. Uh, uh, the main mob boss is Balazar, and he has his uh, Italian uh, lackeys. And so I'm guessing that if they were to make a second movie from this moving forward... You know, we're in the alternate reality. We went Todash. We're in a parallel universe. The second movie comes out. I would say it would probably have nothing to do with the Dark Tower and be centered around this side story of, like, Eddie Dean and Jake Chambers and Roland get caught up with him somehow. And then Eddie Dean is like, oh, you need to help me. Something like that. It could tie the Dark Tower in... Because, I mean, at the end of this film, there's just a confrontation between the man in black and Roland. The second series could, the second movie could pick up with Roland trying to go to the Dark Tower itself instead of trying to stop the man who's trying to take it down. Oh, okay. So they they could tie it back into the Dark Tower and say, we've confronted the man in black we are now going to advance towards the dark tower just to see what's there and you still have the crimson king out there yeah that was teased teased yeah i think they just kind of returned to more of what is the original storyline and so they just at this point already have roland and jake together and so they go into kind of the plot of the gunslinger with those two characters and what happens to them. Um, 
while at the same time their quest is no longer to stop the man in black as much, but they're chasing after the Crimson King or instead of Walter, they're chasing after Randall Flagg and they don't realize that while Roland shot him, he's like reincarnated already as somebody else that's still the same person. So they could kind of sidestep what's what they did in the first movie in a sense. I forget what happened. You need to work for Hollywood because like that, like you just spun it in such a great way that still would please fans. Well, the Dark Tower is also, even though they stopped the man in black, like it still took some heavy damage. We can, we can at least assume mm-hmm. from this movie. Yeah. So it makes sense if Roland decides he still needs to get there to like, okay, so if the first movie established that Jake has the power to destroy the Dark Tower maybe he also has the power to repair the beams that are damaged. And so he has to get Jake there and then ends up having to like sacrifice Jake or lose Jake somehow before Uh, we find Eddie and Susanna. And so that's when we have the actual drawing of the three. Oh my God. um, Which the first movie also, it kind of dips into Jake's visions that he has when, when he's uh, being drawn in some of the later books and, like, is he going crazy? Is he not going crazy? He's not even kind of sure himself. But it does it yes. too early. And it yes, it undercuts the reason for him to have those visions to begin with. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, the reason why he has those visions is so in the first book, he dies by the hands of the gunslinger. Okay. I didn't want to say it outright. I wasn't sure if we were yeah, trying I didn't know to how protect much it. We were trying to give away yeah. or not. Spoiler alerts. After I say the spoiler. <laughs> So, yeah, going into it, like, he dies in the first book. And then in the third book, he comes back. And when he comes back, that's where the movie kind of picks up. We were talking about this Mm -hmm. while we were watching. Like, okay, the starting point is clearly book three, The Wastelands. And when we were reintroduced to Jake Chambers, he's, like, being torn in two because, like, part of him – Knows, remembers dying. Yeah, he remembers dying, but he's still alive. It's like it's a paradox. He's a walking paradox. How can he exist if he's both alive and dead? And he's just not even sure which is his actual memories and which is just him potentially going crazy. Yeah. So then he, you know, like in the movie, starts drawing the tower, and he's like, like haunted by it. And the Roland, and he's in the book, which I really love. He writes this essay about what is truth. And that is the truth. And um, so if you were to move forward, you could totally do that in the second book, kill Jake Chambers, and then the third movie, bring him back. But then you messed it up because you already have him being crazy to begin with. Why is he haunted by this dark tower? Unless we go full dark tower. Full dark tower. Full dark tower. Full Dark Tower. I felt like I was supposed to say that. And have it link back to the first movie. Have it be a cycle. So from the third movie, link back to the first movie. So Jake Chambers dies in the second movie. And then when we're reintroduced to Jake Chambers, it's him from the first movie. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. I just still think the whole supposition of trying to build anything off of this movie 
It's is trying, not ultimately the best the best choice that any movie producer like trying <laughs> like, to build a house on quicksand. <laughs> even Disney building off of you know six movies that killed it at the box office was like we got to scrap anything else that's not just these movies mm-hmm. for what fits in our timeline so we can do whatever we want. Which is what Glenn Mazzara tried doing with Amazon because he was like just going to disregard that movie. I'm going to start fresh. It's going to be a faithful adaptation. It's going to be a TV show. I'm going to start with The Gunslinger. Actually, no. He's going to start with Wizard and Glass. Because in Wizard and Glass, we have uh, a side story where it's Roland as a teenager. And he was like, I'm going to start there. Young Roland. And then in season two, it's The Gunslinger. And then every season is going to be a book. Which I feel like is almost even... Like, Stephen King wrote the books in the order that he did, but it was overall an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And he didn't necessarily know what the plot of every single book was going to be when – especially when he started the first book. He didn't think right. he was going to write any other books. Right. Um, and so I think for, like, that book specifically, I think that one would be better told in just, like, ongoing flashbacks over the course of one season that kind of just really – that season they'd be leaning into what's driving Roland. And so that could be over the course of season one or the course of season two when he is drawing Susanna specifically Mm. and Eddie and just other people to join his kind of group and kind of were simultaneously looking back on his his last group and kind of Mm -hmm. how that went. You know, that reminds me of... You watched Arrow on the CW. I was right? just—I was actually going to say, like, I would envision something like little, you know, small snippets and tidbits, probably a little bit more confined than Arrow's open-ended. Right. And then on the island, he found this, which <laughs> works out great for the plot of our episode today. But something yeah. similar to that, I think, okay. would would play because it uh, because of it being a TV show format at that point. You know, in a movie, that would be difficult to try to fit both those stories into a single movie. Yes. I think that would be the smartest way to do it rather than to rearrange the books themselves because like it could get a little bit weird and you don't want too much of a good thing, you know, because like the story in wizard and glass is actually really compelling and you kind of want to maybe savor it just like a little sprinkle here and there with like the main story, which is, Roland going to the tower. And that one also is just very much more of a Western like Mm -hmm. theme Mm -hmm. than a lot of the other books. And so I think it would just given how like the low popularity of Westerns in modern day movie culture, like they're still made from time to time, but they're not one of the predominant um, genres of movies anymore. You know, the modern day Western is kind of, like comic book movies, I'd say probably they're like the action movies with the the you know with the the gunslinging hero, and so that. that that book specifically from the Dark Tower series would probably play better to general audiences if it was not just an entire season that was basically Western or even like West World kind of style of like Western sci fi kind of mishmash. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be better if it was even more just flashbacks you know telling the story mm-hmm. roland telling a little bit at a time yeah. about what's happened to him and stuff yeah. like that yeah yeah i think you're right i think 
Somebody needs to hire us because clearly we have the ideas to make a Dark Tower TV show come to life. And unfortunately, there are other worlds than these. And Amazon, for some reason, passed up on this. This quartet yeah. of potential writers. Uh, it sucks. Like, it just breaks my heart because, like, the the roadmap for those TV shows would have been amazing if it was fleshed out. Because, like, we're not even touching upon, like, there was, like, a vampire element to the Dark Tower series that ties into his second book, Salem's Lot, which the showrunner wanted to do a miniseries on Salem's Lot that ties into the main show, The Dark Tower. And it's like, you know, with all these companies looking for a cinematic universe to rival Marvel, it's like you have it with Stephen King's books. It's like, yeah, it's horror, but people like to be scared and people like long form, you know, storytelling. It's like, there you go. Free real estate. Yeah, Just do it Considering how like Stranger Things has done so well, people are right. open to horror or at least supernatural surreal elements. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's like they're afraid to do something new. They want to they rehash Lord of the Rings. They want to pour a billion dollars into Lord of the Rings. And it's like, that's a lot of money to invest in something that you don't know if it's going to work. It's but already be, been done. Yeah. Successfully. Like exactly. You can top they, those original films. But to make a TV show out of it, it's like, what What more else needs to be told? You, you, you had the buffet, which is the Lord of the Rings, and then you had the appetizer afterwards, and it was okay. Like, why why dive even deeper into that? Because you know? there's a market, and there's a proven case study that people, you know, that'll make money. Dark Tower doesn't have that. You know, no one's actually successfully done that. And then... right. You know, you, I mean, you have that for a lot of book series probably too. Mm -hmm. And so you have rare occurrences like Netflix with series of unfortunate events where they made, you know, two, three seasons and got through the entire series. And they did, in my opinion, a really good job with the uh, with the books in general, right. even with some of the slight adjustments they made. Um, right. And so, you know, that's that's where if you want your entire book series made into a whole complete saga – I think streaming service is definitely where you got to go even, yeah. Yeah, like with Disney Plus it has Star Wars. Like they're they're going full on. They're like they're really expand and and with the whole Marvel thing. So it's like you know, you have to like topple that juggernaut and like who is even who even like compares to that besides like Star Wars and Marvel? So actually, HBO has a lot of good DC shows that are high-quality entertainment that I'm surprised don't get more recognition. Um, they are kind of like the darker, grittier comic book side of things comparison to Marvel. Um, so that's that's probably why. And their shows, I would say, are actually much more successful than movies. And I'm not talking about the Arrowverse shows. I'm talking about like titans and doom patrol um <laughs> i always laugh when every time you mention titans because i think of that trailer with robin you know what i'm talking about i don't think so it was something like it was so edgy it was it, like robin went full emo and like he was like having like this henchman 
And he was like, where's Batman? And like Robin's like, fuck Batman. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's the funniest and cringiest thing I've ever seen ever. Do you remember that moment? I know you watch Titans. Where he's like, fuck Batman. Fuck Batman. I mean, it does take place at a point in the DC universe where Batman is in like his either late 40s or early 50s. And so he's kind of still doing it because there's nobody else to do, you know, the Batman work in Gotham. Um, But, you know, I I mean, that's it's not enough for HBO and it's not widespread, you know, wide, wide enough accepted for HBO to be. You know, putting them on the map. But then you also have Amazon is dropping uh, Wheel of Time, I think, pretty soon. You know, I have such a... I wanted to do well, but, like, it was Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time, and Dark Tower all, you know, being pitched at the same time. And the fact that Wheel of Time is the one that went out. Yeah. So it's like, no matter what, I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. But I just hope, I mean, I still hope it does well. I mean, it's a 15-book series, so... They've got a lot of content to work with. Yeah, a lot and of runway. big books, too, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. That span generations in the story. So it's like, there's a lot of ground to cover. Same thing with Dune. There's a lot of ground to cover with Dune if, you know, Dennis Villeneuve's films work and his TV show that he's doing for HBO. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. A lot of good things on the horizon. I just wish the Dark Tower was among them. Maybe one day. There are other worlds than these. That is true. One of those has a successful Dark Tower film. (laughs) Probably. Not this one. No. So it's time to get off the fence. So I'm going to end this show a little bit differently. I think we all agree that the Dark Tower movie was not very good. So let's get off the fence. Why was it a bad adaptation? Joey, I'm going to start with you. I'm trying to think how to quantify how many hours of video entertainment I would think the books should span. And the fact that they didn't even really pull hardly anything other than some basic themes from the source material, I think is a big component. Um, And then to make it just an hour and a half length movie, like we're talking about some you know, widespread, very deep, you know, heavy themes in some cases as well that they tried to cram into an hour and a half kind of action, like sci-fi action kind of movie. I'm not even sure what genre you would kind of classify the movie that we watched today. Trash. (laughs) I agree. Trash. It's trash TV. Even trash TV is better than this. But I think I think a big component of why it was a bad movie is they did change the focus from Roland as the main character, who throughout the books, the entire books is always the main. We are following Roland's story, Roland's mm-hmm. tale, and other people join and become a part of Roland's tale, but yeah. it's still Roland's tale. And this was, we are following Jake's tale, and Roland joins Jake's tale and helps Jake, or Jake helps Roland you know, right. on Roland's quest as well. But we're still following, even at the end of the movie, we are still following Jake's tale. And so that that just makes for a totally different story where clearly they're trying to market it to people who are around Jake's age, you know, like in high school, I would say, or maybe college even. Um, yeah. 
but the real audience is people who've read the books and are excited about you know the character Roland and then the other characters as well, but following the tale of Roland rather than the tale of Jake. That is beautifully put. It makes zero sense why Jake is the main character, other than he's a kid and you feel sympathy towards him because he is a kid. That's the only reason I can think of why they switched from Roland, who's this hardened warrior, to this kid from our world. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I would have rather seen a movie that followed Matthew McConaughey's Walter character <laughs> as the main as the main character and just like showed everything from, a, you know, kind of like a very kind of like darker side of things. That would made an interesting movie, more entertaining movie, I would say. Because I'm trying – do we even see anything in the movie that is really actually just from Roland's perspective and not Jake's perspective when he's with Roland? We do see uh, some things from Walter's perspective. Aside from the callbacks to his father and his father's death, we don't get anything from Roland. So it's just a movie with Jake Chambers versus the man in black. Yeah. And just so happens that Roland is also – Trying facilitating to the yeah the whole yeah jake chambers it's not conflict. even that they're friends it's that they share the same enemy kind of the end of it and by the by the time jake and roland are done they've become friends but planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Tore down even, like, the, now like the just, more redeeming qualities of it. Just made the movie even worse. Well, the end of the movie, Jake, is just like, yeah, I'll leave this nice world and go with you for no reason other than we shot a guy. <laughs> we shot a guy. You know, we blew up a whole bunch of kids. Went through a portal. Saved New York. That's about it. Killed some vampires. Well, there aren't any vampires in this film. Yeah. No, there are. Well, at least it's ambiguous whether they're just demons or vampires. Well, that one scene with uh, the guy that played Rorschach from Watchmen, uh, when Walter went up to him with, like, I think it was like a piece of wood with Jake's blood on it from the house, where he goes oh, from yeah. our world to mid-world. It's kind of like if you blink, you miss this part. Yeah, he put, the bl- he put the splinter on his tongue with the blood on it, and he was like, oh, which implies that. He's kind of a vampire because he's like. I think it's still ambiguous. That's true. It just seemed like a vampire. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree. But I think that's, if anything, it's just a slight nod to the, you know, a slight reference to the source material more than anything else for sure. Yeah. So what about you, Christian? What makes it a bad adaptation? I mean, the fact that they were trying to put seven books into one movie <laughs> you're just trying to do you're going in too many directions at once uh-huh. where you want the directors and writers wanted to hit or at least reference every aspect that they could get away with be it the slight references to the crimson king be it to 
bear allusions to vampires, which in at least two of the books play major roles. Right. To alluding to a rose, which plays a very significant role throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. They tr- were trying to hit everything just to appease fans. Well, at the same time, confusing right. the non-initiate, really, those who hadn't read the book, and then trying to put together this whole seven-book series with, like, the bare-bones cast of characters that you need. Right. In cutting out any character development, any backstory, they, I think the, the main thing is just trying to do too many things at once. Yeah. It's like the movie purposefully went in to alienate everybody. It alienated people who haven't read the books because it's like, what is this yeah, like, movie about? What the about? hell is this? Like, why are there like shots of like graffiti saying "All hail the Crimson King" and right. then not even mentioning who this person is? Mm-hmm. And then alienating people that read the books because it's like we're going to take these books and not even follow the plot. Throw them in the trash. It's like, hmm, these are nice. Roland, that's a good name for a character. Don't need to read any of this book. Okay. Jake Chambers. He's a kid. Got it. It's like they got the cliff notes and it's like, let's make a movie out of this. Or like the target audience was people who read not the entire series, but like one or two of the books. And then like wanted to watch the movie ago. to finish it. <laughs> that's probably or, what happened. Or just they they like read it so long ago that they kind of just remember general themes. They're like, oh yeah, the Crimson King. Oh, yeah. And they just remember that there was something about the Crimson King and they assume that the yeah. movie is just, you know, duplicating what you had in the books. Ooh. Oh yeah, like in the movie they even make references to like the Sombra Corporation. Mm-hmm. Like it, at one point in the film, I mean this won't spoil it too much, but like Jake Chambers is captured by the people trying to take down the dark tower and he's captured in a van that's marked sombra mm-hmm. and within the books that it's very well like it's just hashed out and kind of explained is like well the sombra corporation is the legal entity that's facilitating all of the um the villains in like on earth yep and trying to take down the Dark Tower, but within the movie, it's just, oh, there's this van that they have, and it's taking him in. It just so happens to be belonging to Sombra. So dumb. So dumb. Like, for me, what makes it a bad adaptation is it's what this movie did is say we were to turn back the clock to 2001 with Chris Columbus. Uh, tackling Harry Potter, and he's like, hmm, maybe he had a time machine, so he had all seven books. He's like, let me boil down seven books of this franchise into one 90-minute movie. Uh, Hermione? Um, no, we don't need that character. Uh, Ron? Nah, forget about him. Yeah, we don't need Snape those. Snape out. It's, it's, it's just like Harry and Dumbledore it's, fighting against Voldemort. Not even. It's like, okay, it's like... Harry Potter is like the side character and then the main character is Ron. And it's all through Ron's perspective. And then we have Voldemort uh, trying to destroy the school. It's like, it makes zero sense. Like, it's like whatever decision that they thought was a great idea, they didn't do it. And it just, it just blows my mind why they even, even bothered with this movie. If you're not even going to like respect the source material 
You know, it's like, just make a new movie at that point. Don't call it The Dark Tower. Because it's not an IP that general audiences would know. Like, only book readers would know and Stephen King fans would know. So it's like, you could have just named it anything. Change the characters, and it would have been a, an okay movie. But, like, since you tied it to The Dark Tower, it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, you just... It like you took a dump over Stephen King's life work. Like the if tower I was... fell. That's how you could explain it. Ooh, the tower fell. Yes. They tried to save it. They tried to their quest to the dark tower ended in failure and disappointment. I would just love And this was the propaganda film to try to trick everyone into thinking that everything's fine and okay. Yes. It's like Man in the High Castle. That would like I would love if Stephen King wrote like another book like in a little addendum and like made a little dig to uh the movie just like oh man i had this weird dream that like jake chambers was here and uh, like i was like dark skin for some reason and yeah it's like it's it's just a it's just a big warning label of like how not to adapt a book series it's like you want to do it right look at that don't do it like that so who would you choose to helm this project if it became a larger project that was actually going to span the entire saga. I'm thinking either Guillermo del Toro, Mm. because I think he has a wide range, and so he could make it equally interesting for children and adults both, Yeah, um, based on some of his other work. And then either that or um, Tim Burton. Oh, Tim Burton would would be be interesting. Like, he would just incorporate a lot of, like... No, something's not right. Like, everything's a little bit off. Stuff is a little bit creepy, you know, kind of a thing. Which would, I think it would work. It would make for a different kind of version of the story as a whole. But I think it would work. Yeah, Tim Burton just has to tone down his Tim Burton aesthetic. A little bit. And I think it would work out. Um, But there's a place for Michael Keaton somewhere in the Dark Tower universe. Ooh. He might play a good Randall Flagg. Like, imagine, like, Beetlejuice, but, like turned a little bit more sinister that would be so a good choice michael keaton from founders the founder What's the that? mcdonald's movie oh okay i'm on board i'm on board with that so he's saying that the mcdonald's uh ceo is randall flag probably not but <laughs> you never know he's just levitating he is villainous. It's time to bring back the McRib. <laughs> Szechuan sauce. Uh, so, I mean, it has ultimately has it has to be somebody that loves the subject matter, whoever that person is. They have to read all the books and truly understand this universe and be like, I want to make this visual and have the expertise to make it cool looking because it's like then why bother making like a tv show or movie out of it if it's bland like this movie we just watched but that's it for this time on syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself we've been talking about the dark tower please don't check it out where it is available so i'm going to take a moment to thank my guests joey and christian for coming on to the show guys thank you so much for doing this thank you for having us yeah it was great being here yeah, this has been a long road to the tower, and we read all the books, 
And this movie was awful. But we remembered it was about the journey, not the destination. That is right. And remember that when you do pick up the books, it is about the journey, not the destination. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have Discord? Feel free to join the growing film community there at syndicate.com forward slash Discord, where you can catch myself, along with other podcasters and listeners, talking about this movie and others. But if we missed anything during this conversation, please send us a message at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Bye-bye.